Welcome to this episode of Mike's Money Picks. In this episode, going to be doing a deep dive into the Rocket Mortgage Classic and my final picks for the week. Uh, this is our first week doing golf content, so I am still trying to figure out what I'm going to be putting on here on the podcast and what's going to be going on the Patreon as well. So this week, you're getting all of it here on the pod. Um, so I'm going to talk about all of my picks. If you want a little bit more detail, a little bit deeper dive, as well as some alternate lineups and some pivot plays, you can go on the Patreon. Those are available as well on there. Link is going to be going on my Twitter profile for that. If you like what you're hearing on the podcast, rate, subscribe, and review. It'll really, really help me out. And again, if you also like what you're hearing on the podcast, got a whole lot of stuff related on my Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. For the rest of the week, uh, you can find a fantasy football article on the Patreon already, five tips on how to dominate your fantasy draft, as well as some more fantasy football content coming on the pod as well. Uh, before we get into the final picks, going to do a quick little primer on fantasy golf, building lineups, um, stuff like that. If you do want to get straight to the picks, skip ahead about three minutes from here. That's when the picks are going to start rolling in. But without further ado, let's go ahead and get into it. So I did receive a question from uh, the Rocket Mortgage Classic preview. Uh, I referenced a term called strokes gained. Um, So if you are not too familiar with fantasy golf, if you have not heard strokes gained, uh, I'm going to do a quick little explanation on that. Uh, You know, being a high school math teacher, I do think I have the ability to explain stuff so that way the average person can understand it. So strokes gained is a metric used by the PGA Tour to determine how and where a golfer is better than the average PGA Tour golfer. I know, it sounds weird, right? But here's how the math is calculated. So let's say that, um, we'll go a a guy that's in the field this week, Tony Finau. Let's say he's approaching a par four where the average scoring for the day is 3.9. So that means that if everybody were to play that hole, the average is going to come out to a 3.9. Well, let's say Tony Finau has a really, really good drive of the golf ball. And now from where his golf ball's sitting, the average score is expected to be 3.6. Well, guess what? 3.9 minus 3.6. He just gained 0.3 strokes to the field. And since he did it with his drive, that would go into the category of off the tee. So that is just kind of a quick little calculation for strokes gained off the tee. Now, as he keeps playing every shot, that calculation is made after every shot and where his ball ends up. So what ends up happening is the one that is the most volatile, the one that is the most finicky is putting. Because if I'm staring over a birdie putt, I'm either going to make it and get a three or I'm going to miss it and get a four or maybe even a five. So let's say a guy like Will Zalatoris has a five foot birdie putt. Well, if 70% of the field is going to make that putt, then he's either going to gain 0.3 strokes on the 30% that missed it if he makes it, or if he misses it, he's going to lose 0.7 strokes to the field when he misses it. So because of that, you can see huge swings on every hole depending on the difficulty of the putts that guys make or miss. So that is strokes gained. The bottom line is strokes gained gives you an evaluation tool that is very analytical, very data-driven to determine how good a golfer is and how well they are playing. It's a lot more data-based than just like watching them swing the golf ball and be like, oh, he got that dog in him, which, you know, I love his analysis. I absolutely love the memes and the, you know, that as analysis because there is a mental component to the game as well but strokes gain gives you a much more mathematical logical approach to it now that we've got that understanding beneath us let's go ahead and talk about how i build a lineup and how i am identifying how to build my lineup for this specific golf tournament 
So how I like to build my lineups for DraftKings and FanDuel for golf is probably a lot different than what you would hear on other daily fantasy sports websites and from other people. I am not someone who builds in a huge, vast amount of lineups. I don't do 150 a week. I don't do 30 a week. I probably only play one or two a week. So because of that, the first thing that really stands out about what I'm going to be telling you today is I really don't care about ownership. You have a lot of guys on the internet that are going to try to tell you to stay away from higher owned golfers. Well, that makes sense mathematically. If you're playing a large field, you want to be unique in your lineups. But if I'm only playing one or two lineups, I don't really care about ownership. I just want to try to play the best six golfers possible. So I totally ignore ownership. You're not going to hear me discuss it a whole lot on here. I'm just trying to find the best picks and how I can allocate my budget the best. So for that reason, how I build my lineups is I pick the one or two golfers that I feel the most strongly about this week. That can be at any price point. Any price point. If I think that a guy in the 7.6K range is a great fit, then guess what? That's who I'm going to play. If I think it's a guy at the top of the board that is a great play, that's who I'm going to play. When I first start making my lineup, I don't care about price. I want the guys that I want. And then as I get into building my lineup, that's where I start kind of narrowing down, trying to figure out what prices I need to play guys at. So here's how this comes into play this week. In my personal opinion this week, there are two names that stand out above the rest of the field. First is Patrick Cantlay. He's $10,700 on DraftKings. He's $12,000 on FanDuel. I think straight up he's the best golfer in the field. We're at the point in the calendar year where Cantlay started heating up about this time last year. He won the FedEx Cup last season, which is starting in about three weeks. He has great form coming into the event off his performances at the Open and the Scottish Open, and he has a proven track record of playing well at birdie fests. This tournament is absolutely going to be a birdie fest. Let me give you this quick list. He won the Zozo Championship in 2020 at a score of minus 23. He won the BMW uh, tournament, I guess, in 2021 at minus 27. And he has runner-ups at minus 22 in the American Express in 2021 and at the Shriners in 2019. He has a track record for doing well in birdie fests. And for that reason, I think he is going to be right in the thick of it this week. I really don't envision a scenario where he's not in the top 10 on Sunday. Second, my second most favorite golfer this week is Cameron Young. In my opinion, he fits the absolute prototype for winning at this golf course. He is $10,100 on DraftKings and $11,700 on FanDuel. The reason why I think he's the prototype, Bryson DeChambeau won here in 2020. Cameron Young is basically Bryson DeChambeau if Bryson DeChambeau were much less eccentric than he is. He doesn't make a whole lot of noise in the interviews, but what he does do is he drives the ball every bit as far as Bryson does. Cameron Young is second on the tour in strokes gained off the tee, and his distance is up there with pretty much anybody. Cameron Champ is the current leader on tour, but Young isn't too far behind. Young's putter came alive at St. Andrews. If you listen to the preview from yesterday, you know that I like this course as a comp to St. Andrews. Well, guess what? Young finished second there. He putted outstandingly well, and Young is currently a PGA Tour rookie. I think that the win is coming for him, and it would not surprise me if that win came this week. All right, so now I've got those two locked in, Cantlay and Young. Let's talk about how I built the rest of my DraftKings lineup. 
After these two, I was left with $7,300 for the average remaining salary. But this isn't a bad position to be in because as I looked at that range, I really had a lot of golfers that I liked and a lot of guys that I could get behind playing. If you want to switch it up from that just a little bit, you can switch Patrick Cantlay to Tony Finau. Um, the difference is negligible, but I do like Finau's form coming in. The other option that you could do is if you really want a little more salary relief, you could switch Patrick Cantlay over to Cam Davis. Cam Davis, the defending champ of this event, he would give you 75.50 average remaining salary on DraftKings and 9,300 average remaining salary on FanDuel. Now, another guy that I really like this week is Maverick McNeely. Unfortunately, I feel like Maverick McNeely is kind of boxed out of the DraftKings lineup with his price point. Um, it would only give me 6,800 average salary remaining on DraftKings. However, on FanDuel, spoiler alert, well, I guess kind of spoiler alert, he's only going to put you at a situation where you have 86,33 average salary remaining. But like I said, McNeely is another guy I like a lot this week. If you want to go Cantlay McNeely or Young McNeely, I totally see a viability in doing that. All right, back to the DraftKings lineup. So we've already got Cantlay and Young. The next guy I played is Troy Merritt at 7,600. The 7,600 group on DraftKings I absolutely adore this week. We've got J.H. Kim, who has outstanding recent form. He's got a lot of talent. He's played well in elite-level fields, which this is not. And then we got Cameron Champ, who's a great course fit. He's an absolute bomber. He's coming off of a great finish at the 3M when he started out terribly in round one, had a great weekend, and ended up with a good finish. But of the three, I like Merritt the best. Merritt has a T8 here, as well as a playoff loss last year. He very well could have won the event last year, which I think would change a lot of sentiment on uh, where people feel about playing him this week. He's clearly comfortable with Detroit Golf Club, and I totally could see him being in contention. Again, going a little bit down the board, Taylor Pendrith is the next guy I'm playing. Taylor Pendrith is coming back to the tour off of an injury. He really didn't play uh, in between the Players' Championship and like two weeks ago. But his last two events are T13 and T11, and he is an outstanding driver of the golf ball. He fits the Bryson Cam Young mold. Um, so one thing that is a very minute detail that I feel is worth mentioning, Bryson DeChambeau, after he won the U.S. Open in 2020, mentioned how he employed the same strategies at Wingfoot that he did at Detroit Golf Club when he won that season. Well, that kind of makes a natural comparison between guys that did well at winged foot and guys that might do well at Detroit. Guess who did pretty well at winged foot? Taylor Pendrith. Made the cut, finished T24 there. So, you know, if you think that this is a good fit, which I do, Taylor Pendrith, very good price point. Um, I really like his recent form. Really like to play him this week. Next guy I chose, Patrick Rogers. So Patrick Rogers, you know, he's been on tour long enough now. He's not a young guy anymore. He's got two skills that are verifiably good, uh, driving the golf ball and putting the golf ball. Guess what you're going to need at Detroit Golf Club? Driving and putting. If he can roll in the rock, I really like him to get into the top 15, top 10 this week. Um, he's played fairly well as of late. I think the missed cut he has recently will kind of get people off of him a little bit, but I like Patrick Rogers at 7.1K, uh, $7,100. If you don't like Patrick Rogers, may I offer up Grayson Sig and Hank Lebyota 
as pivot points, Grayson Sig has outstanding recent form. I uh, was in the second to last group at 3M4. He kind of faded a little bit on Sunday. Uh, and then Hank Lebiota, T4 here last year at Detroit Golf Club. Uh, I, I think Rogers has the most upside, but if you, you could talk me off of him in playing Sig or Lebiota. To fill out the DraftKings lineup, Michael Gligic at an even 7,000. has not finished worse than 40th in over a month on the calendar. To me, that recent form is just outstanding, and he deserves to be priced much more than $7,000. I, I think he's mispriced on both sites. And at that price point, all you're looking for is a guy to make the cut. You know, when you make these DraftKings and FanDuel lineups, if you can go five for six and, you know, you have two guys in the top ten, you can win. If you could go six for six, you're more than likely going to win some money. You're going to win your head-to-head. You're going to cash in your tournament. And so at that price point, seven grand, I think he makes the cut. I think he continues to do what he's been doing on tour here in the last month. So there you have it. The final DraftKings lineup, Cantlay, Young, Merritt, Pendrith, Rogers, and Gligic. Let's switch on over to FanDuel. For the FanDuel lineup, I'm sticking with Cantlay and Young. I kind of teased this a little bit earlier, but I'm going to stuff McNeely into this lineup as well. He's at 10,400 on FanDuel. He has two top 10s in his last four outings on the tour. He came T8 here last year. And if you've paid attention to any of the interviews he's had lately, he loves putting on bent grass greens, or at least he says he does, which is what Detroit Golf Club is this week. He has the ability to make a lot of birdies because of his approach game and because of his putting. And so it would not shock me to see him in contention on Sunday. I really like his price point on FanDuel much more than on DraftKings because I think FanDuel, you have a little bit more flexibility with the rest of that lineup. For reference, if you want to look at how the salaries play out on the two sites, on DraftKings, your average salary has to be $8,333. On FanDuel, it has to be an even ten grand. So what that means is ten grand on DraftKings is the same as 12000 on FanDuel if you look at the proportions. So because of that, McNeely really doesn't stress you as much because the golfers at the top are not going to put as much stress on your lineups on FanDuel. So that's why I really like playing McNeely on FanDuel. Probably not on DraftKings with the lineup that I started with, but on FanDuel, I'm locking them in. Now, the next two. I went down the board, really down the board, and I went and got Peter Malnati. He's at 7,800 on FanDuel. He's coming off of his best performance of the year last week at the 3M Open, and this is a pretty similar track to what you see at TPC Twin Cities. It's going to be a birdie fest, kind of like how last week was. Uh, I think there's a little more trouble at TPC Twin Cities than there is at Detroit Golf Club, but similar tracks, similar distances, similar skill sets will succeed. Malnati, at that price point, believe it or not, he actually ranks 39th on tour in birdie making, which is evidence that he can get hot, he can make birdies, he can succeed here this week. Now, what that leaves is pretty much an even nine grand for my remaining two picks after the salary relief from Malnati. And I went with two guys that are at both flat nine grand on FanDuel. Nick Hardy and Alex Smalley. In my opinion, they're both mispriced. Nick Hardy has been on a tear for about two months now, starting with uh, the U.S. Open. He hasn't missed a cut since on the PGA Tour since like March. He's a recent promotion from the Corn Ferry Tour. And I don't know if you ever look at the leaderboards on Corn Ferry Tour events, but they're all birdie fests. Birdie making is a way of life on the Corn Ferry Tour. So I think he'll be pretty familiar with how to succeed at this venue, even if he hasn't played here, because I think he's used to the whole concept of, okay, he, I'm, I'm at the tee box. I've got to make birdies. You're going to want to put yourself in position to make birdies. I think he's used to that aspect. 
Alex Smalley, believe it or not, small detail here, some local knowledge, is a member at Sedgefield Country Club, which is another Donald Ross design. Troy Golf Club, also Donald Ross design. And he's also shown the ability to go low this year. He finished second at Punacana and had a T6 in Mexico, which John Rahm won. Um, he has the ability to succeed in these birdie fests. I don't know if he will win this week. He's another PGA Tour rookie. I think he'll win at some point in his career. I don't know if it's this week, but I could totally see him being around there in contention on a Sunday. And I definitely think he's mispriced on FanDuel at 9K. So there you have it. The final FanDuel lineup, Cantlay, Young, McNeely, Hardy, Smalley, and Peter Malnati. All right, that's it for the two lineups. Going to give a little bit more information than we're going to get on out of here. My last pick for the week is my one-and-done selection for the week. And it's quite simple, y'all. It's Cameron Young. Uh, I do not have Patrick Cantlay or Tony Finau available to play, and I can totally see an argument for either of the two of them. So that kind of makes it natural that the next name on my list would be Cameron Young. Prototypical fit for the course. He's coming off of that great performance at the Open. I think he stays hot. It would not shock me if he got his first career win this week, and I really hope he does because he is my one-and-done selection for the week. The only downside, I expect him to be very popular. I think a lot of people and a lot of one-and-dones coming up here near the end of the season have played Cantlay, have played Finau. So I think Cameron Young is going to be the popular play. If you need to catch up ground in your one-and-done, you might not want to play him for that reason. You might want to look to maybe Cam Davis, maybe Maverick McNeely. Um, I think those two guys won't be too popular, but I do think they possess that winning upside. The one guy that I would recommend to stay away from this week, I would not play Will Zalatoris this week. Now, you know, granted, that could end up on freezing cold takes on Monday when he wins, but I just don't think that this course takes advantage of his skill set. He's a great long iron player. He's not a great putter. Those are not exactly situations where Zalatoris finds himself doing well at. So that makes Zalatoris a, a very easy pivot play. I don't think he's going to be popular in daily fantasy. I don't think he's going to be popular in one and duns. I don't think it fits his skill skill set. But if you think that you trust his talent, if you think this is a good fit for him, by all means, have a go at it. All right, y'all. That's it for this week. Uh, Rocket Mortgage Classic starts tomorrow morning. Uh, it looks like we're pretty much all in on Cameron Young this week, so we'll have to see how that goes. Um, but best of luck to you. Uh, if you like what you hear, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Mike's Money Picks. Subscribe to the Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. See you guys next time.